Today we're supposed to be talking about Yu Yu Hakusho fans, but oddly enough, we're dead? Hello everybody and welcome back to Phanthropological. My name is Nick G and today we're going to be talking about fans and fandom of Shonen Anime, Yu Yu Hakusho. And here with me to do that are my two best friends, Nick T. See, I was going to start by saying something about running in a crowd in a faceless town, but then our guest mentioned Spellbomb earlier, so I can't do it with a straight face, so it's fine. <laughs> and Nick Z. Oh. Uh, sorry, I'm just kind of distracted by this weird glowing egg I just found. Thought you were going to say you were distracted by the touch of a friend. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a good segue. That would be yeah. distracting if we were if we were all in the same place. <laughs> also joining us, special guest of the podcast today, uh, two of the five co-hosts of the Yu Yu Hakusho. Uh, we have Joe and we have Patrick. Thank you guys for coming on the show. Howdy ho, guys. What's up, y'all? five podcast hosts how do you do that <laughs> carefully very carefully <laughs> so two of them are identical twins so oh, in man. terms of audio they sound like one person do they ever express the same opinion at the exact same time <laughs> uh they've said the same phrase at the exact same time like frankly like they're two of the more different identical twins i've ever met like okay. they're different they're actually substantively different heights uh oh, wow. and, yeah and like different styles and fashions and personalities oh that's good yeah let's dive right into things um if you're listening to this and you don't have any idea what yu yu hack show is uh my first question would be why are you listening to this but then i would ignore that and keep going because you can't stop me probably just got the listen to the sub on the on itunes yeah <laughs> i'd be good with that I'm going to explain a little bit about Yu Yu Hakusho to give some background. Uh, we have some experts on hand, so I'm sure that they will definitely be able to tell me how wrong I am, which is fine by me. Yu Yu Hakusho is a manga series written and illustrated by Yoshihiro Togashi, uh, also known for Hunter x Hunter and is the husband of Naoko Takuchi, who is writer and illustrator of Sailor Moon. The series tells the story of Yusuke Urameshi, a teenage delinquent who is struck and killed by a car while attempting to save a child's life after a number of tests presented to him by Koenma, the son of the ruler of the afterlife, Yusuke is revived and appointed to the title of Underworld Detective, with which he must investigate various cases involving demons and apparitions in the human world. The manga becomes more focused on martial arts, battles and tournaments as it progresses, and Togashi began creating Yu Yu Hakusho around November 1990, basing the series on his interest in the occult and horror films with an influence in Buddhist mythology. The manga originally was published in Weekly Shonen Jump from 1990 to 1994. The television series aired from 1992 to 1994 in Japan and was later licensed and released here in North America in 2001, much later. Uh, it has sold over 50 million copies in Japan alone, and the anime series won an animage, anim I guess that's animage. I don't it's know, like animage, I think. Yeah, the Japanese pronunciation, that makes sense. Uh, Grand Prix for Best Anime in 1994 and 1995 has spawned two animated films, a series of original video animations, audio albums, video games, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Like a lot of stuff. And a new movie coming out soon, too. Or is it an oh, yeah. It's an OVA. It's an OVA. New OVA coming out soon, too. Yeah. I was actually going to ask about that. So 
it's been a while since a lot of new Yu Yu Hakusho content has come out. I remember reading that there's been a, a mobile game recently. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like anime or manga, it's been kind of like sparse in terms of new content. Yeah, I mean, the 25th anniversary is part of it, for sure. Yeah, actually, the cool thing, they actually released, uh, I don't know if you guys did want uh, a show on vinyl records, but they actually have a, a singles box set of Yu Hakusho music, like the opening themes and select tracks. It's like all these singles, like about 100 bucks for the whole box set. So that was pretty cool. Oh, wow. Sorry, oh, not, not 25th. It was, a different, it was a different year, but yeah, you get the idea. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of year anniversary. Actually, I think is it twenty six. I think it is twenty fifth or twenty sixth. No, because uh, it started as they mentioned in ninety one. Yeah, yeah. It's so an anniversary. It's, it's an anniversary. Of it's sorts. probably tying in with the anniversary <laughs> of um of a Shonen Jump as well. Oh, that might be the case. Yeah, a much longer anniversary of Shonen Jump. Yeah, and it, so it's a series. I mean, we'll probably talk about this later, but it was a lot more popular in Japan than in the U.S. So there's more nostalgia there. Yeah, that that makes sense. Oh, go ahead, G. Just looking this up now. It's like a bunch of forty fives, right? Yeah, a yeah. bunch of forty five singles. It's uh about a hundred bucks. Uh, uh, there's one on Discogs that I, I, I mean, as re- this recording that I know is in stock. I don't know if I want to pull the trigger though, because I really like I really listen to Small Bomb a lot, so I don't know. I'm not really a forty five guy to be honest with you. I have a, a Doctor Mario forty five. I don't even listen to it much because I like putting the record on, just like walking around my house and doing stuff. Yeah, man, I didn't, you know, like I don't know so much about. <laughs> about this show before doing the research for this episode and i want this thing <laughs> yeah it's definitely really cool it's, it's got uh... them looking very suave on the cover there it's a very surprisingly musical show too because like you might have this in your notes but like later on after the show is done or maybe like near the end of it they had like a bunch of the voice actors re-record the intros and outros using like singing with their voices mm-hmm. and it turned out really well for the japanese release not the american release do they sing that one sad song they always play? No, 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 no. They <laughs> sing vocal songs only. They don't. They don't play that one song. Yeah. Sure, yeah. quiet tears in the background. <laughs> I think that's a running joke, right? I, I mean, yeah. Have you guys seen the show? Or okay, so this is probably dating myself. When Shonen Jump was released in in North America, I remember like reading through a lot of the the things that were going through there in its first run. So. I remember getting through a whole bunch of Yu Yu Hakusho. I think also my roommate collected the manga. Oh, okay. So you're going to be familiar, but I was actually going to ask about the uh, soundtrack, which I don't think would translate very well. I mean, you could play it when you're watching the (laughs) manga. When you're reading the manga? Yeah, no, no, no. But there's this one song that they play too much. uh, They play, (laughs) like, basically during the first season and the first half of the second season, they play it every time anyone's in vague danger of dying. You're like, okay, what's what's going on? It's like, mm, nothing good's happening right now. <laughs> yeah, our theory is it had to do with production budget because, like, after they made it big, they, like, got a huge, like, uh, you know, soundtrack, but that starts in, like, the third season. Uh, reminds me of that uh, SNL sketch where they're making fun of the OC. They played that Imogen Heap song every time someone dies. Oh, what you say? Yeah, what you say, yes. Where a bunch of people got yeah. shot and they just play a new version of the song every time that happened <laughs> until you had like five versions on top of each other. Like falling around the ground shooting each other. <laughs> it's uh, it's almost that bad, yeah. Oh, wow. It was the first time I think somebody compared Yu Hakusho to the OC. <laughs> Given when they were both on in North America, maybe maybe there's more crossover. Not that far apart, right? Yeah, not that far apart. I know I had a VHS of like the first couple of episodes 
for some reason. I don't know if I got it with something else or I just saw it at like Anime North one year and I just bought it. But I remember seeing yeah. the first couple episodes and that's about it. Like when, when it first came over to North America. Was it like subtitled or is it, it was, dubbed? I'm pretty sure it was a dub. I was going to say, because yeah, a lot of the anime, tra- I think we talked about it on the last podcast, but the cool thing about the anime trade back then is that they actually used like Laserdisc scripts of Ooh. the Japanese show and then fans of them on there. Huh. I'm a big Laserdisc head too, so I know. Wow. Yeah, I always wanted to find like those ancient VHS rips of that. and <laughs> They'd probably be destroyed now. <laughs> I don't think it's worth it. They have like bad translations. I was going to say in bad tracking <laughs> issues and yeah, it's going to be uh, a nightmare. It's the aesthetic. <laughs> it's all about the aesthetic. <laughs> Yeah, nothing says uh, style like carrying around giant discs to watch like yeah. you know thirty minutes or something. For those listening, they may not know a laser disc is like a <laughs> CD the size of a record. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I actually got a recently got Evangelion on Laserdisc. They the what? first Whoa. the first four episodes dubbed. I was surprised it was even out. But where do you get <laughs> laser discs? Let alone eBay. Evangelion on laser. Oh yeah, I guess so. I know. I get enthusiastic about these things. That's okay. You guys need to do an episode about laser disc heads. Invite me back on though. Laser discs were a part of my childhood. My dad collected laser discs, so I uh, legit some <laughs> memories of flipping movies over in the middle. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that oh, we'll we'll come back to that for you yeah. later, Z. Maybe after so the we'll, episode, we'll, we'll we'll round it off with saying, Z, when did you first encounter it? I also first encountered it in Shonen Jump, and I have really vague memories of. I think it was in the middle of like a tournament arc. I never saw the anime. Oh. Yeah, so like I feel like I caught it in Shonen Jump when it was like halfway through the story. That's about right. Yeah. The dark tournament. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming it was a tournament that took place in a large stadium, right? Yeah. To be fair, there's a lot of tournaments. Well, in that show. yeah, but there's only one that takes place in a large stadium. <laughs> I okay. uh, like that. Looks like it was made by H.R. Giger. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you probably caught it in the middle. Yeah, yeah. So at the time, I didn't really think much of it. It was just another thing in this Shonen Jump. But uh, but kind of in preparation for this episode, I, I went back and watched the first few episodes. It's, I'm kind of surprised I didn't get more into it, like as a kid. Why is that? I mean, it it doesn't have like the whiz bang, impressive like I'm going to fight you. No, I'm going to fight you. My power is three thousand. Mine's thirty million. <laughs> of like a Dragon Ball Z, perhaps an obvious competitor, but like just the the story. Is surprisingly on point for a '90s shonen anime, based on the others that I've seen, and the character development is also like really surprisingly good. Everyone is like fully dynamic in ways you wouldn't initially assume, given how they're introduced. Yeah, even Yusuke himself, you just think, oh, some street punk who's, you know, probably going to turn out to be a good guy because he's always beating up the bad dudes. <laughs> but no, he's got like that's part of it, sure, but he's also got this this character development, this arc to him as well. You actually see why he's a street punk. He's not just a street punk for the sake of the story. <laughs> I don't know if you guys interact with the Yu Hakusho subreddit at all. I I don't like. I mostly uh, I mostly interact with the Facebook communities because there's a bunch of different language Facebook communities for yeah, it. Like the spirit uh, Yu Hakusho spirit posting. Yeah, okay. and like there's like two groups called just Yu Hakusho, and then there's some that are like devoted to country specific fandoms. Mm-hmm. We should probably should post it on. That's actually a good thing. We'll talk about that later, but posting on Reddit. Yeah, we'll get into that. It's not a bad idea. Yeah. yeah. I was looking on there to see, like, you know, what, what Ren's talking about over there. And, like, every fifth thread or something like that was, like... And the, and this is, like... These are from, like, a month, month or two ago. Like, they're not that old. 
of people going, I just watched this for the first time. This is incredible. How did I not see this before? Do you find like a lot of people discovering it now? Or at least not at a time where it first came over here? I think my theory on it is that it's just back then a lot of people just like watched, you know, uh, Adult Swim or Toonami and just had it on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know when I was a kid, I did it a lot. And now with the, the whole perpetuation of the anime, it's getting a lot more popular. We have people going to crowded movie theaters to watch Dragon Ball Z movies. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. But um, I just think that it's gotten more popular. People want to watch it again or maybe they heard about it because, I mean, it is fairly popular in the States, but it's not on the level as Dragon Ball Z or something. It's something, I guess, akin to you know Inuyasha or something of that nature. Yeah, maybe. I'd say, like, um, I don't see a ton of new fans. What I more often see are people who have vague memories of watching it back in the day and that are now <laughs> watching it, like, for real. Yeah. Yeah, so th- that's pretty common. Um, I think, like, you know, if we're getting into sort of why that might be, I think that there's, like, a cultural specificity to Yu Hakusho that doesn't really exist uh, in Dragon Ball Z. Like, so Dragon Ball Z is obviously very Asian. Like, not only is it Japanese, it's also very Chinese because it's based on a Chinese myth. Yeah. I mean, it effectively takes place in alternate universe China rather than Japan. But there's, like, a certain degree of non-specificity because they're always going to the wilderness and fighting dudes and deserted, you know, <laughs> canyons that exist everywhere, apparently. Well, in Yu Hakusho, they're like, oh, yeah, we're in Mushiori City, which is a suburb of Tokyo. We're hanging out here and we're going to fight in this back alley behind a place that is clearly written in kanji. <laughs> And so I think it might have been initially somewhat repelling to, like, less hardcore fans of anime who were just like, I don't want to have to, like, learn certain, like, cultural things regarding, like, demons and the like. It's like, I just want, you know, aliens coming from another planet (laughs) in the pseudo-Superman style. Yeah, because, I mean, it is really Japanese. I mean, especially with the yokai stuff and that whole spiritualization, especially with the whole... Was it Koen? Uh, was it a Koenma and his, his father? Yeah, they're... I mean, they're literally Buddhist deities. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's like Joe said, it's very, uh, it's easier to watch something where it's like, oh, two tough guys beating the <laughs> each other on To be fair, King Yama exists in Dragon Ball Z as yeah. well, but he's a minor character. Yeah. While but... in Yu Hakusho, his son is a major character. I, I oh, guess, yeah. but there's like less references of like a, a god deity to that, though. It's mostly, oh, here's this guy in the sky that does stuff. Yeah. I mean, not to get too deep into the religious aspect of it, but in Buddhism, uh, Yama is the judge of the dead rather than God. Mm-hmm. So in Yu Hakusho, they kind of elevate him more from being the judge of the dead to the judge of the dead and vaguely a pseudo monotheistic god most like spanking Kwame. <laughs> this is all true i mean i'm sure there's some buddhist uh writings about you know there's a euphemism for spanking the god right that that's a thing no that no? sounds okay. more sexual than i think it needs okay that's that's <laughs> totally fine I, I was also going to mention the connection in dragon ball z in in that there is a reference to to that but it's not a core part of this story like it appears to be in, from what I've seen in Yu Yu Hakusho where it's like well you know Urameshi like dies and he goes to the underworld but it's not hell it's not heaven it's well I mean I guess they probably call it hell in the dub but it's it's not really it's it's the underworld as it is in like Buddhist uh, yeah. mythology yeah where there's like multiple underworlds and you sort of pass through a gate one that mm-hmm. determines where you're going mm-hmm. yeah it's a really interesting show uh, it's kind of funny though the, the first time I actually saw the show I heard about it on a tsunami was an ad specifically of uh, of Yama spanking Koenma. Like, it, it, it just shocked me because, like, I'm sitting there watching Toonami, all of a sudden this baby getting bare spanked at, like, like what, four in the afternoon? <laughs> Anyone it's, who's listening to the audio version of this can't see, but I was just face palming because I, 
<laughs> I mean, that, I mean, that's like that's like one of their ads they had on there. I mean, he's not it. wrong; it, it legitimately was. I just think it's really funny that that's your first impression <laughs> of the show. Well, yeah, I mean, it was like brand new. It was like, oh, check out this new hot show, you hot show, coming on at four p.m. Central Time, and then it just ends with spanking. Yeah, like you just spank, like you can look it up on YouTube. Oh, man, spanking the it's like and it's it's a real commercial. Charm. It's a real commercial. It is. You mentioned that it's very Japanese, mm-hmm. and I was wondering. When it came to North America, it, it already came out like five or six years after it was probably super popular in Japan, by comparison. And then it ended up, from what I remember, being on Cartoon Network, but it ended up on Adult Swim and then later got moved on to Tsunami. So there was this whole, like, this is kind of more adult-oriented, and then it, oh, we'll put it to a, a lower age group. And then I don't think they even finished airing the entire show. Like, it only made it up partway up to like episode 90 or something i think from what i've heard i have to look to confirm this but i think it jumped around starting on as you said adult swim going to toonami i think it went back to adult swim and then went to another programming block where it was saturday early saturday mornings um and that's where they finished the last like couple episodes of the show yeah so it went from being hyper popular to just being this weird like yeah we're not sure what we're doing with this let's just finish out our you know deal with it death by scheduling basically (laughs) doctor who fan i'm familiar with that (laughs) With regards to that, like, yeah, I didn't catch the end of it on TV. I started buying the DVDs at that point because, like, I was, like, the irregularity of when they were showing it and the DVDs were coming out, like, in an even clip. So I was just like, okay, I guess this is how I'm going to finish it. Did you stop by your Coast video and buy it? It was that until, like, Amazon's (laughs) prices started being precipitously cheaper than anywhere else. But there was a while where they were, like, slightly more, but it gradually went down to, like, modern dvd prices and stuff yeah dvds were pretty pricey back in the day though or even uh. home video releases for like 90s anime oh well yeah 90s anime was insanely expensive back in the day i remember paying like 25 bucks for a vhs tape with three episodes of dragon ball z on that sounds about right yeah oh imagine the laser prices i, I don't even want to know what <laughs> evos were they were probably like 50 plus dollars a disc <laughs> okay what i want to know is why was it so popular in japan why I know there were several other shows kind of in that style competing. There was like Flame of Rekka. There was uh, Dragon Ball Z. And like, obviously there were other titles running in, in Shonen Jump. But, you know, Yu Yu Hakusho hasn't really had anything come out in the last 25 years. Flame of Rekka, also nothing. And Dragon Ball Z, we have Super now. <laughs> like, it's still insanely popular for people to watch two dudes beat the crap out of each other. <laughs> I really like Super, so. I think... Japan had, like, a longer string of content come out for it that, like, just didn't come out to the American markets because it's stuff like, you know, vocal CDs and stuff like that. And they had a couple games that never came out to the States. And they actually had a, I'm going to say recent one, but it was probably, like, 2008 they had a video game. So long after the launch window of the series, but way before this modern revival. Um, and that one never came to the States for whatever reason. Well, don't forget, uh, they're also in, like, the Shonen Jump, the Jump Superstar games. Yeah, they are in all the uh, Jump collections, because, like, people, you know, fondly remember it, even if they're not, like, yeah, constantly so, like, paying out the ass. Jump Stars versus, or Jump Superstars in the DS, like, he's still constantly in those games, so it's, like, it's always a constant push. But uh, I guess if I were to theorize as to why, I think part of it is, like, as you're aware, Dragon Ball is, like, a cultural institution because it started in, like, the 80s. And, like, was so hyper-influential that, like, people's parents and grandparents, like, watched it. And so, like, you know, a kid just born today, like, their grandfather will have, like, seen Dragon Ball when he was a kid. Like, one of my aunts, like, uh, watched Dragon Ball when it was showing at the time. Well, so, uh, I'm half Filipino, but, like, uh, Dragon Ball was showing in the Philippines, like, I forget if it was subbed or dubbed into Tagalog. 
back in the 80s, so she was watching it then. So yeah, Dragon Ball is just a wide Asian cultural institution. Meanwhile, Yu Hakusho, it's not only peculiar in terms of like place to Japan, but also like time. Because uh, we've talked a little bit about this on the show, but it's very much a late 80s, early 90s product mm. because of like the way society kind of is at that time. And uh, there's still like a decent amount of like the 80s excess that was going on, but kind of like tapering off. And so like people's fashion is very rooted in the time in a way that we can look at now and be like, oh, that's pleasantly retro. <laughs> well, if you showed it to someone in the early 2000s in Japan, they'd be like, that's so i like yeah if you guys get to like later parts of the series there are people wearing stuff where i'm like holy that is really cool but the most dated thing i've ever seen i think botan's like the the key person in that but i still love her outfits she's like the greatest do you guys uh play king of fighters there's a specific reason i'm asking no okay so there's a character named iori yagami who has like a crazy outfit that's super 90s But you see the predecessor of that outfit in a later part of Yu Hakusho, basically, mm-hmm. like that fashion. And it's just, it would look very dated to people. So it is kind of rooted in time in a way that makes it a very interesting time capsule, but makes it harder for people in the direct uh, generation behind it to get into. But one more generation out makes it like really cool as a time capsule. Yeah. They should really put Ryo and Yu Hakusho, fight them off. <laughs> like, oh, Hohoken, just like blow them away. Nice. No. Yeah. We're big KOF fans. <laughs> Everyone's like swimming in their clothes, right? <laughs> oh, you mean like the size of the clothes? Everyone just got like a lot of clothes, which was like a very late 80s, early 90s thing. That's definitely a thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But looking it up, blew me away that it was from that long ago because I saw it when I was younger and I foolishly assumed that it was new when it came over to America. But there was like a huge, uh, it's like what, 2000, something like that, when it got dubbed and came over here? Yeah, so it started coming over here in, as we said, like, 2001, but, like, the way the like, it showed on TV and the way it was distributed on DVDs, it kind of stretched out into, like, 2005. The cool thing is that the initial episodes were showing, like, literally almost 10 years after the original. Like, if you look on the, the wiki for the episode releases of the first, like, 20 or so, it has, like, April 1992 and then April 2002. 2002. Yeah, it's kind of cool. There's, yeah. Oh, wow. Consistently a 10-year <laughs> gap. It's pretty cool. It, it goes from when I when I was just born to when I was ten years old constantly. So it's kind of <laughs> kind of funny that gap. Jeez. Time wise, this is especially interesting because anime that came out in two thousand four looks very different than yeah than anime that came out in nineteen ninety four. Oh yeah. yeah, for sure. It's like, all about the cell animation. Though. I was gonna say yeah, Yu Hakusho is like a really interesting point in terms of like the development of animation because it was still cell animation but they were starting to put digital effects in more often. Mm-hmm. So there's parts later in the series where people just have like digital effects coming off of their attacks, but everything is drawn analog. <laughs> oh, dang. It's pretty interesting. In that way, it seemed, to me, it seemed like continuity or like congruent with other stuff. I mean, the art doesn't look like Dragon Ball, but like in terms of animation quality, it's from near the same time, right? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't look like it's totally like like old-fashioned or anything like that. It's got that nice 90s anime vibe. Yeah. It, yeah. it was like, um, so you guys notice like for 16-bit video games, like sort of like the last era of purely 2D games, yeah. everything looks really good. And then in the first era of 3D games, everything looks like trash. Yep. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yu Hakusho is on the former side of this, where it's just like, it's the last era of pure cell animation. And like, because of that, it's like the perfected <laughs> version of the form right before the transition. That's like this awkward growing period. Hmm. Yeah, but I I don't think the the newer Yu Hakusho looks that bad. No, it doesn't. But I'm saying that if Yu Hakusho had been made like five years later, 
it probably actually would not have aged as well. I gotcha. Yeah. Because, like, that would have been the beginning of, you know, more computer-assisted animation, etc. You would have been at, at the beginning of the digital age instead of, like, near the end of the, like, hand-drawn age or whatever. Exactly, exactly. It, it is kind of funny because a lot of the early 2000s ones have a really great vibe to them as well. Like the, like, Ace Manga Dayo, things like <laughs> oh, that. Oh, Ace Manga Dayo. Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, there, there, there are definitely exceptions, but I, I think... I mean, okay, so I'm not like a technical animator, but I think that Divergent shows more an action series rather than Slice of Life. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that might be the reason. As you were talking about, like this being the kind of peak, the the best point of the cell shaded era, and that's what you're kind of getting. I was like, oh, for some reason, I remember Yu Yu Hakusho, like the animation style, the the cell shading or the uh, cell animation reminded me of something. And then I looked it up and. Fushigi Yugi, another show that came out around the same time, was also animated by the exact same studio. Okay. And it's like, ah! Yep, ah. exactly, exactly. There's the similarity. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about that, but yes, that like works perfectly as a comparison point. We've both seen all of Fushigi Yugi. <laughs> I like how anime sounds like an attack, a special character attack. Oh, the, the name of that anime? Yeah. I've actually not seen Fushigi. it. I need to see it at some point. Yeah. Now there's a bunch of older series I need to watch. It was super important to me when I was 15, <laughs> perhaps less so now. <laughs> I enjoyed it when I watched it, and that's the important thing. Nice, Going right nice. on my list. So based on that, like, are the aesthetics and the feel of when it was made and like an appeal to you guys? For me, definitely. I didn't clarify this earlier, but Yu Hakusho goes through a lot of development in how it looks over time. The mm. first season... I won't say it looks bad, but it doesn't look nearly as good as like later parts of the show. It's got that early anime budget look. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. We can't confirm this, but it looks like they didn't have that much money yet. Because Perot is obviously like a big-time studio, but I wonder if they're just like, we'll hedge our bets until we make more money. Yeah. And so like in later parts, uh, after they change, I think maybe the animation director like at a certain point, like you start seeing more impressionistic shots like and more surreal okay. shots as well. Like If you get into the later parts of the Dark Tournament, people start doing attacks that look like they're tearing reality apart and people's proportions squish and stretch in like really interesting ways and then this proceeds on to season three which this isn't a huge spoiler but if you've ever read heart of darkness or you know watched apocalypse now it's sort of in line with those and they have like a bunch of really cool impressionistic shots that sort of reflect the mental states of various characters the horror (laughs) no it's really good like imagine Oh, man. I I think of season three of Yu Hakusho as like, hey, man, what if uh, Heart of Darkness was written by Lovecraft, but at the end it turned out he wasn't a racist? <laughs> man, I'm very on board with what you just said. Man, I'm old. I'm very interested. <laughs> Specifically referring to Heart of Darkness reminds me that uh, in like a little throwaway day at school scene, they have one of the characters reading from Heart of Darkness. Apparently, anyway. Wait, what? Yeah, like really, really briefly. In, in the English dub in only. In the English dub, yeah. yeah. Oh. So that leads me to ask, how important was it that the English dub seems to be, and I'm saying this as somebody who usually prefers subs, seems to be a really awesome dub. It was in that time where they were still changing the names in the dub, but this one, they're like, yeah, no, forget it. Mm-hmm. We're just going to go all out. All same names, same everything. Keep... With, like, minor exceptions. Yeah, minor exceptions, but it's very accurate to what the subs are. I think, uh, Joe, you watched the sub and the dub, right? To clarify, like, so, uh, you you might want to bring this up later, but we watch it in multiple languages in order to discuss the different localizations of the show. Mm -hmm. And uh, as part of this process, uh, I, for instance, watch the show with the English-translated subtitles of the direct Japanese lines 
while listening to the English dubbed audio, which leads to a very weird note taking process. (laughs) Um, But because of that, you know, you're very able to clearly uh, see the distinctions in the script as you're going through. So, for instance, with what Patrick said, uh, the majority of people's names stay the same. Uh, things are either like literally translated or slightly localized to preserve like feel. <laughs> there are some minor changes, like some people's names change if they're a Japanese name that is technically a real Japanese name, but is uncommon to have been heard in the States. Like in our most recent episode, we talked about a guy, a minor character named Kirishima, who they changed to Miyamoto just because everyone knows the name Miyamoto. Not everyone knows Kirishima. Oh, yeah. And he's a minor character, so they don't have to repeatedly say his name. It's definitely a lot better than, than the... What was the one dub where they changed Kurama's gender? Oh, uh, yeah. Yes. So in the Filipino dub, they changed like two characters' gender, and it had nothing to do with like a localization choice. It's that they straight up didn't know what their gender oh, wow. was. <laughs> I mean, one, one of those characters is drawn explicitly feminine and is played by a woman, so I sort of understand. Yeah. While the other character is just an old woman that they thought was an old man. Oh, are you talking about... <laughs> is, it, is it Kurama and uh, Genkai? It's Genkai, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Building on that, that was one thing that I found curious on the subreddit. Anytime we've ever covered an anime, I feel like I see overwhelming support people watching the sub but someone was like okay i'm about to watch you show for the first time should i watch it dubbed or sub 28 comments every single one of them said the dub that never <laughs> happened with any other anime i've ever seen everyone on the podcast also agrees that the dub is really good as well i, I personally watched the sub myself i've been watching it long enough so like, oh, i'll just watch the sub yeah so um i think part of that is there are slight characterization differences between the two and like honestly i think most American fans prefer U.S. Yusuke because he's like, hey, man, what if you took Japanese Yusuke and made him half Spider-Man? <laughs> like, he, okay. Yeah. Okay. He's just uh, saying all these, like, uh, you know, like, snide lines and being, like, a jerk. He's, like, really, really quippy. Yeah, he's very yeah. quippy. Um, like, so in a recent episode, someone th- was threatening his girlfriend, and he was like, you know, if you don't stop, I'm going to have to remove, like, both your lungs or whatever. <laughs> And then, like, the person's like, well, what if I, you know, do this? And he's like, oh, okay, well, then learn to hold your breath. He says that in English. Well, in Japanese, he's like, yeah, if you do that, I'll kill you. And then the other guy's like, well, what if I do this? He's like, well, then prepare to die. It's like, those are very (laughs) textually different. So, yeah, I think that's, like, a big part of it. And I do think there's a nostalgia aspect, but I also think that they did a really good job doing a non-intrusive localization where it is clearly changed but in a way that i think is commensurate with the cultural differences like let me explain that real quick Mm -hmm. so in the japanese version yusuke while quippy is not as quippy as he is in the american version but he's quippy by japanese standards okay so they're like what if we made him proportionately quippy to american standards and so it preserved the spirit of it while seemingly changing the text of what he says i didn't even think about the spirit pun until i said it but yeah (laughs) that's a big part of the reason Having that, like, respect and, like, like not changing a lot, which I feel like would have been rare for the time for dubs. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like at the time they were, they were changing things, like, wholesale just to get more people into it. Yeah, like, even on the cusp of uh, that mentality changing, like, I think one of the last big ones was, uh, I don't know if you guys ever watched uh, Case Closed or Detective Conan. No. Couldn't really get into that for some reason. They changed a lot of characters, so, like, they're all Americanized, so... Ron Mori, the uh, the one that the, the Shinjiki's going to protect, or Jimmy Kudo, was named Rachel Moore in there. And, and then even Shinjiki Kudo, they changed to Jimmy Kudo. Mm-hmm. 
like I said, there's all that that whole loom of the the changing of the name stuff. I think also speaking to it being a transitional period, uh, Yu Hakusho actually changes over time because in the initial season, there's a lot less specificity to Japan. Like they remove talking about cities and like don't say like we're in this city, even though in the Japanese version they very clearly say it. But as it went on, it seemed like they got more confident in being like, this is Japanese, like to the point where in the third season, they're just like, we're in Mushiori City, which is a city in Japan. (laughs) And a part of that is because there's a part where they explicitly put up a map and it's kind of hard to, you know, hide that you're in Japan at that point. But like, I think that a bit of it was the cultural change as things went, you know, across time. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm kind of happy they went that way because, uh. I'd rather just have it, you know, be whatever it was supposed to be with what they say, just change with the lip flop reasons and just keep the original meaning, in my opinion. What's interesting is uh, on the DVDs, they have like some of the voice actors do commentary, like for the American version. Mm-hmm. And they actually talk about how it was a pretty non-specific location in the first couple seasons. Like, and that was a purposeful choice. Oh, Like, they're just like, yeah, we just kind of rolled with it because that was kind of what people were doing. They didn't mention why they transitioned, but they did mention that there was a change. Okay. As I'm listening to all these really interesting details that you've obviously picked up over time being like huge fans of the, the show. This is a weird question. How did the two of you end up like one being fans or more importantly, like running into each other as fans, like connecting as fans? Well, we went to college. You know? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. No, the the two of us uh, went to school together. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like I was, I was there for grad school. He was there for undergrad, but like I had to make up some undergrad courses. And so we took like a couple courses together. I think we talked about video games most of the time. (laughs) Yeah, we talked about video games. So uh, I work as a software engineer making video games and he works as a software engineer. Making boring stuff. No. (laughs) Making useful stuff. Making useful stuff. And so, yeah, the two of us met through class. And then uh, the three other hosts, uh, I was actually in a Filipino club with one of them. And then was in like another Asian club with the twins who are also Filipino, but we're not in the Filipino club. Yeah. If you want, like in terms of how we got into starting the podcast meeting wise, uh, basically Joe's put on his Facebook, Hey, looking to do a podcast about you, Huck show who wants to join. It's like, yeah, I'm down. I can do this and that, this and that. <laughs> and I'm sort of new to it. So I'd be getting a new perspective from a guy that hasn't really watched it as much. Yeah. I had a, I had recently gone through a breakup and I was like, ah, let me just do some stuff that I've always wanted to do. And I had previously run another podcast, but it was a lot of work. So I'm like, well, let me run one that's less work and is about something I really like with some friends of mine who had already voiced that they wanted to do that, who were the, the twins, Hannah and Sarah. Um, and then, like, basically the two people who responded most readily to the uh, call for local people were Patrick and Megan, who uh, both live in the area. Some of my friends from further away also responded with interest, but I'm like, <laughs> I only want to edit one audio track, so <laughs> You should have just said yes to every choice. Oh God, no! No, that that was the mistake with my previous podcast. <laughs> yeah, hence why I'm not going back. Because one of the things that I was wondering about was like, as people who are not like huge fans of, sorry, when I say not huge fans of EU Hack <laughs> Show, it implies that I hate the show. But what I mean is, who are not um, like who haven't seen a lot of the show, I'm wondering like how other EU Hack Show fans actually like get together. Like you mentioned, uh, there's some some Facebook groups, but uh, like how active are those? What are they like? Uh, they're pretty active. So Yu Hakusho spirit posting, which as you can probably guess is a variant on like, you know, such and such shit posting. Mm-hmm. Those are actually pretty active. People talk about, you know, like such and such is my favorite fight. How about you fight me in real life? Because <laughs> there's a pretty big division in the fandom about whether season two or season three is the best season, um, which is a pretty goofy discussion. 
Uh, and Patrick hasn't seen either of those seasons yet, so we'll see how he falls on that. But, like, spoilers, the rest of the like cast of the show thinks that season three is the better one. <laughs> I'm the final word and say on that. If I say season two, you guys are going to have to agree with me. Oh, my God. So, But, yeah, so another thing is there's a lot of, like, uh, sort of aesthetic fan pages of Yu Hawk show because like you know the the art's pretty interesting and like especially as you get further in the series there's more and more impressionistic weird art so like there's a lot of just like I don't actually say anything in these posts I just post cool <laughs> shots from Yu Hawk show pages do they have any Yu Yu wave music Haku wave no I've mostly heard like hip hop remixes of Yu Hawk show tracks for like whatever reason like Kuenma like hanging out or Botan chilling with that aesthetic uh it's like jacket looking like Negan. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some of that too. But yeah, so that's uh, the Yuhawk Show community on Facebook and Tumblr is mostly either arguing about fights or cool aesthetic. But not fighting about arguments. No, they're not. I, I have not seen a physical. Oh, wait, no, I, I lied. I have seen one physical fight based on Yuhawk oh, wow. Show. Please tell me every detail of it. <laughs> Can I oh. please have a waffle? No, there's... Oh, man. Patrick, you should cover your ears. Ah. Because this is, like, for the next episode of the show. <laughs> okay, so... There's a pretty famous scene in the show where two dudes stick knives into the ground and then put their feet against the knives and then just start wailing on each other. And, like, mm-hmm. it's called the Knife Edge Deathmatch. And it's kind of a meme in Latin American countries. Yeah. Because the, the dub of it was really bad. They're like, oh... Un duelo a muerte con cuchillos, which just means like a duel to the death with knives, but they say it like eight times in a row. And like, so it became this stupid meme. And like, is that why you want us to bring knives to the next That's podcast why I said bring knives to the next podcast. I was going to say, like, what's going on with that? <laughs> yeah. But um, the reason I bring this up is one time I looked up like Knife Edge Deathmatch, and one of the autocompletes was in real life. And I looked, <laughs> I looked it up and found too many people doing it and i was like why is this a thing i think we have a new clip we have to put on that <laughs> oh yeah you and me just putting knives into my like into my carpet and punching each other well it's recorded at my house so oh yeah it's in knives in your linoleum and us punching each other yeah i mean like do you have to put your feet through the knife first no 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 so you're supposed to not touch the knife and whoever's the first one to touch the knife like loses and then you die they're like, whoever goes past the knife, the other is allowed to just kill them, no questions asked. So it's like sumo wrestling, except at the end of it, you get to kill the person that passes. <laughs> exactly. Okay. It's going to be interesting next episode. I'm excited. <laughs> so in in terms of like the Yu Hakusho community, like, are you guys okay? <laughs> <laughs> Do you need like more of the show? Would that stop you from doing things like this? I don't know, because the way the, way the show ended was maybe not super continuable. I won't explain that, mm-hmm. but, like, it it's not like, oh, everyone dies. It's more just like, ah, where do you go from here? Mm-hmm. Like, the show is pretty well known for being, like, a very good show with a really not great ending. Mm-hmm. It's not even bad in, like, a controversial way. It's just more like a, everyone knows that the health of the author was, like, taking a nosedive, so he just sunk his own show i mean he sunk his own manga which sunk the show yeah read about that. Yeah. yeah he he uh he's a workaholic so he was like putting himself in the hospital i think basically. all the manga because they're like that like, yeah but he uh, schedule on that where it's like he this was before he had enough money to be like i'll go on hiatus this was like no i'm ending this show now <laughs> oh wow yeah but he, he met, met a sweet girl i married her and you know that was years later so <laughs> oh. he was just in the hospital for a while well, I mean, he got better, married the sweet girl, had a happy ever after, I guess. Yeah. That I works. mean, as much as a manga can have, that doesn't work, like, every single waking hour of the day, 
That was the interesting thing, too, because reading about Yu Yu Hakusho, it's kind of hard not to talk about the other work that the artist has done, like Hunter Hunter, and how it has, unlike Yu Yu Hakusho, has been continuing for a very long time uh, with many small hiatuses. Hiatuses? I don't know how that word's pluralized. <laughs> I think Lots it's, of breaks. I think hiatus, hiatus. Hiatus. There's no yes. way that's true. <laughs> but yes, if you uh, just look at the point from like Yu Yu Hakusho here, Hunter Hunter here, it's very clear how his taking hiatuses regularly is very much a continuation of what happened there and probably also like a i never want to burn out that hard again so maybe i should treat myself better i do like how uh how both the protagonists in those shows both have green uniforms and crazy hair oh there's actually <laughs> so i'm not super qualified to talk about this but like people make pretty good one-to-one comparisons between characters in hunter hunter and new hawk show regularly like the some of the our fellow cast members who have seen hunter hunter are like oh that's almost exactly like this character from hunter hunter <laughs> hmm so the show comes out like more than 25 years ago, just barely more than 25 years ago at this point. Mm-hmm. And we, we talked about how, like, generationally, you know, with Dragon Ball Z, you've got people who have seen it every generation. Maybe you hack a show you might have seen or you might not have. If you haven't seen it at this point, it's new to you. And maybe, have you heard about this new anime that came from the, the 90s that nobody saw? It's like a gem that nobody mm-hmm. saw. Uh, I don't know where I was going with this. I wouldn't describe it as, like, no one saw it. It's just, like, not as crazy as dragon ball basically i think i think if you ask people that grew up in that time that watched rambles either they would know about that they know about sailor moon yeah but i mean it's in that tier list where it's not quite dragon ball and it's not quite sailor moon it's like right below that or a couple nazis below that even like it, it's kind of crazy to think about that yeah it's, it's, i guess it's in that sort of area with like bobo bobo bo and no it is above bobo 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 above that okay a little bit what about don't, don't say that uh oh. it's all well, wait, wait are we talking about in japan or in the u.s u.s in the U.S., it's above both of those by far. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like Gundam Wing. Uh, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, about Gundam Wing yeah. level, if you think about that. That's yeah. a good point. I don't know why I didn't say that one. It's like Thundercats. <laughs> Thundercats. I was going to say, like, as a Canadian, I'm very used to defining myself in terms of cultures that are next to me, i.e. America. <laughs> We're doing a podcast about Yu Yu Hakusho. We have not stopped talking about Dragon Ball. Do you guys have a spirit bomb-sized chip on your shoulder about Dragon Ball? We have a, a spirit gun-sized <laughs> chip. I should have seen that coming. <laughs> but, like, no, nah, not really. I mean, I like I like Dragon Ball a lot. It's just more like um, the way that anime came to the States made it mm. harder for, like, other pseudo-similar series to kind of find their niche. Because, like, if they had come over in the opposite order, I wonder what would have happened. Because, like, again, there was that large deal of cultural specificity, but I also think Yu Hakusho is a much more complicated series. Like, I'm not saying it's, like, Russian literature. <laughs> it's not like, oh, here's, you know, War and Peace and stuff like that. It's more like characters have development that lasts over, like, a couple seasons with, like, interesting foreshadowing beforehand. Well, that literally has never happened in Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> I, I, I just think that, like, I'm going to be honest, in the 90s, if it wasn't Dragon Ball or Sailor Moon, nobody really cared much about it. during. Or, sorry, Dragon Ball, Sailor Moon, and Pokemon. Yeah. Nobody mm. really cared much about anime. Uh, well, I mean, that niche, people did, that but just not like the well, mainstream. Yeah, not like yeah. in the mainstream. Like, I mean, like the way that it was that like then, like it basically was. Oh, if you're not watching that, it's like at some weird fan convention, you're like recording Robot Carnival at four in the morning on Sci-Fi Channel, and like so, I I don't have demographics to back this up because I I don't have like a you know freaking industry magazine <laughs> from the like late nineties. <laughs> about the viewership of, like, Toonami or whatever, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was, like, a segment of, like, you know, 8- to 13-year-old boys or, like, you know, majority. 
And because of that, like, I don't think they were looking for a show like You Hawk Show, which can be appreciated, but, like, has themes in it about growing up that are only really obvious and digestible after you've already gone through some of the things that happen in it. Mm. So Patrick hasn't gotten to some of these parts, but a lot of it is sort of about growing up and understanding yourself better. Like, I'm Patrick has gone through that in real life, but has not seen that in the show yet. I mean, don't speak for me. I have. <laughs> okay, I'm okay. still like five mentally. Yeah, I mean, but, like a big a big part of the show is about Yusuke trying to understand his emotions and be better connected with them because he starts the series not at all. Oh, there was this article that I was reading and it was talking about kind of how Yu Yu Hakusho is an interesting look at like humans and also like a time capsule of like '90s Japan. So I was talking about how like the different characters represent different aspects of of Yusuke, like one being his human side, another being his his uh, demon side, and the other one being like ha- yokai. Or, yeah, the other one being like both of them. But I was also talking about how like you know the first couple arcs are it's like everything's going well, you got to fight, things are escalating because like things were going well in in Japan. In the middle, like there's a lot of issues with human nature and emotions and whatnot, and that's also the time that like. The, the bubble in Japan collapses and yeah. I'm gonna have to tread very lightly with where we're about to go. Okay. Because yeah, there's a lot of spoilers here. <laughs> okay. I like this is from somebody who has not seen the show and is like effectively reading like a synopsis. <laughs> like really broad strokes. So I, I will not dig any deeper than that, but I just thought it was interesting because for a show that I would have thought, having not seen it, is mostly known for being like a shonen show. I was like, oh well how could this possibly be like this reflects the times of 90s Japan. All I'll say is the show has a tendency, as noted by the comparison with Heart of Darkness, to sort of problematize the binaries of morality that it initially lays out. Mm-hmm. Because as you can see, even in the beginning, it's sort of making you question the idea of humans being good and demons being bad, necessarily. And the fact that, like, Koenma's father, King Yama, is sort of an absentee father in certain ways, both as the idea of an absent god and of a detached ruler come up in much starker detail later in the series. I kind of like the parallel with Yusuke, though, where his father's the same way, where he's just absent. Yeah. You don't even know the depth <laughs> of what you just said until you get further in the series. Oh, jeez. Koenma's... <laughs> Yusuke's father. Oh, no, geez. it's nothing as... It's nothing as obvious as that, but it's just like, you don't even know. I can't wait for you to finish this series. Was Yusuke the man that went back in time to save you? Save you <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> well, kind of jumping off of that, Joe, you'd said earlier that it was way more popular in Japan than in North America. Is that just because of the, the cultural residences are going to be a lot clearer in Japan? I think that's definitely a part of it. And like, also like the, it was a show of the times in terms of like fashion and like culture with a small c yeah. you know like pop culture yeah. as opposed to like uh you know traditional culture so it had the aspect of high traditional culture in terms of like buddhism and such but it also had the aspect of like pop culture being the way people were dressing and like sort of the attitudes of being in a japanese high school which you know yep. now americans get yep. but like mm-hmm. at the time they were like this is my first time where i'm watching something that really deals with japanese high school besides sailor moon <laughs> And, and you have to keep in mind as well that the show, like we were saying before, went to different time slots all the time, different uh, blockings. And I imagine that Cartoon Network didn't put as much marketing as it did into Dragon Ball Z or some of those other shows. So you have to keep in mind with that, that 
it might have not got that popular because everyone tried everyone that tried to watch it was trying to bounce between all these different time schedules. Yeah. Somebody that watched the first like twelve episodes on Toonami, like one night or it's gone and it's on Adult Swim or vice versa, it's like I think it gets it kind of frustrating. Season by season as well, because the Dark mm-hmm. Tournament is the most analogous to Dragon Ball style action. And that season was very popular in the States and was shown during prime slots. While when it gets to season three, which is just like, hey, do y'all like Victorian literature? <laughs> well, then here's the anime for you. <laughs> well, Victorian and like, you know, Lovecraftian literature. Well, then here's your anime, boy. Yeah, yeah. And that's when it went back to Adult Swim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like bring up like, oh, why are you guys talking talk about Dragon Ball? I mean, everyone can watch a million billion shows Right now they want to, and like, there's no TV, there's no sequence, there's no anything. Anyone can watch anything they want. Yeah. But I remember being absolutely convinced, I don't know if it was advertising or just my own interpretation, when I was like 15 or whatever, that Yu Show was like the next Dragon Ball. Mm. Not from watching it and thinking it was similar, just like it was being presented to me as the next one. I can see that. Like, yeah. with the exception of the Koenma spanking <laughs> commercial, yeah. most of the other commercials were very much like, oh, these boys are very powerful. And you just see someone like, I'm interested in fighting those boys. <laughs> and it, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, and just people be like, ah, oh, the spirit detective. And, you know, they just cut between cool shit and they have like D&B music playing. And then Tom the Robot is just like, yeah, you hack show, 6 p.m., Toonami, keep it locked. Or some weird shit like that. So it was very much portrayed as like, you like Dragon Ball Z, don't you? Well, guess what else you like? Yeah, because it was, it was like, I don't know, kind of chosen to be the next through the door after Dragon Ball. Regardless of whether it was the closest or like the ones that people were going to like the most, that it just kind of got put in that slot, whether it fitted or not. Yeah, there were significant voice actors that were shared between them as well. Mm-hmm. So like the voice cast was very similar. So probably it helped that, you know, a dubbing studio that they were affiliated with, that like that Toonami had deals with, was also working on it. Well, it was like Funimation, right? Yep, so it was Funimation. They always use the, they have their, like, their, like all-star cast lineup. Yeah. Sean Schimmel. I mean, yeah, Vegeta was Kuwabara. Yeah. Frieza was <laughs> Genkai. <laughs> yeah, Frieza is Genkai. Wow. That leads into something I found on the subreddit called A Rant About This Show, mm-hmm. and someone's like, man, this is just some boring stuff. Nobody's fighting. They're, they're too busy thinking and figuring things out. <laughs> Where's the action, man? Oh, man. I hope that person watches JoJo because it's it's like that, but even harder. <laughs> and then, more posing. Yeah. No, like, so the reason I make that comparison is season three of Yu Show is kind of halfway between like Dragon Ball Z style action and JoJo action. Mm-hmm. Like, because there's a lot of people just figuring out bizarre powers. Mm-hmm. Because in season three, I, I won't get into it, but just people start getting weird powers and it becomes like a f- puzzle game. Is that a JoJo reference? Uh, we can talk about like when they were made, but I'm pretty sure a lot of it was inspired by JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Like season three's power set, at least. Yeah, you, I gotcha. You'll see. There are just like people where it's just like, that's a straight up JoJo power. No one has stands, but like, well, one guy has a kind of stand. I mean, they kind of have Hamon. Think about it. Yeah. The, was it Yoki? Yoki? What's it called? Their, their powers? Uh, Yoki. But like, Yoki, this isn't yeah. really a spoiler because I'm just describing the nature of powers. But people start having powers like uh, they have effectively like stand effects without the physical body that like goes. Rah, 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 rah. Yeah. I think they did gold. Someone did say that during the show. It was Japanese dub. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. I think Yusuke sometimes says, yeah, because, like, ora, ora, ora is, like, a thing it's in, like, heroic like uh, thing. Cause I think, in uh, anime and video games. Yeah, didn't uh, uh, Ken from Fist and the Star also do yep. something like that? I was about to reference that. I think he says, ah, da, 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 
yeah, no, he does that, but I think he did say it once. There's a couple other characters that also do that. Like, actually, in uh, King of Fighters, going back to that, Ryo, oh, yeah. Ryo, Ryo Sakazaki. Aura, yeah. yeah, it says Ora, Ora, Ora. Because, like, uh, Ora means, like, come on, kind of. And yeah. so, like, oftentimes in old tough guy animes from the 70s and 80s, you would see people put up, like, their hand and be like, Ora, Ora. You know, kind of like, come on, come on. Which is why when Terry Bogard, uh, who speaks English, comes onto the scene, he's like, come on, come on. How are we? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Man, I'm glad we were up at least two King of Fighters references. <laughs> or two S and K references. I mean, when you're when you're doing a podcast on Yu Yu Hakusho, you definitely want to bring up King of Fighters. That's how it works, right? Oh, yeah. It's the circle of life. It's the circle of life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And because of their similarities, at least, you know, in the earlier seasons and whatnot, uh, both being about high school and and that sort of thing, are there any connections between the Yu Yu Hakusho fandom and the Sailor Moon fandom? Mm, I don't really know if there's there's a crossover. I mean, I mean, there are anime fans usually. I mean, to be honest, Sailor Moon's more uh, woman oriented, but I know I know a lot of people that watch it, like myself, that love both shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, the other three members of our cast uh, are like women, and they watched both uh, growing up and liked yeah. them for you know different or similar reasons. I don't have hard numbers about like the general fandom. But my thought would be that in terms of aesthetics, there actually are some interesting similarities. They both use like similarly bright pastel colors at various points, which uh, look really cool. But uh, in terms of just like subject matter and stuff, like I, I don't really. It's kind of different because it's like one of them's fighting demons and the other one's fighting space monsters. Well, I mean, there's that, but I meant more like I think the themes are in some ways kind of gendered uh, because like Sailor Moon is kind of about being a girl and sort of like growing up and like becoming a woman and sort of like understanding that obviously there's a lot of fantastic in the yeah. way but you actually show similar where it is very much about being a young man and sort of uh taking responsibility and like obviously women can sympathize with the characters but like there's multiple levels to it like there's levels where it was directed at japanese boys and teens uh and sort of about their understanding of the world in addition to just general audiences. Like, as we talked about, uh, the show has a lot of character development for the characters. Uh, Yusuke himself has to kind of get in touch with his emotions other than anger, uh, which is something that I think might have been, an, I won't say revolutionary in any way, but would have been an interesting thing for a shonen show to talk about, um, you know, in the early 90s. Yeah. What for Barra sort of uh, building up with his, his change from trying to be this tough guy and then keeping his like you know his morals like he's got to look out for it he's got to look out for his friends and stuff while carrying that tough guy attitude. You are definitely right, but he actually has another level of change that occurs later in the series that is also very interesting and positive, but not a direction you'll be able to see at this point. I got gotcha. you. Um, and like there are other characters who have less relatably human understandings, <laughs> and that's like Kurama, who is literally a thousand years old, yeah. and <laughs> he went from being a very selfish demon to coming into the human world being reborn as effectively a human and is kind of understanding human kindness as it exists now and the show is a lot about crossing those sort of barriers and like you know what is good what is bad and like where do those definitions come from and like when are they sometimes wrong like again the show definitely problematizes uh binary relations of good and evil based on something approximating ethnicity okay <laughs> it's also problematic in other ways as well Well, yeah there's one episode that has a very weird 
interaction with a transgender character that at the time was probably seen as somewhat progressive and is now just like, <laughs> yikes. I think that was everyone's reaction. <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, LGBTQ issues are treated very differently in Japan than they are in, in North America. Mm-hmm. There was a word that came to mind, a uh, new type that I was trying to find, but uh, immediately when I look for it, I get the magazine, so I'll come back to that later. I, I know what you're talking about. I, I thought it was a slightly different term. The reason that new type is not what I think it is, is because that's the people in the mainline Gundam series who are psychics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> huh. I know that's definitely one of them, yeah. Yeah, I think I think there might be a slightly different word you're looking for, but I don't remember it off the top of my head. But yeah, I, beats me. Yeah. Yeah, but we, we like having these little discussions on the podcast with that and getting to that culture, getting the culture and the differences, like... Uh, like, and just just ethnicity and you know those gender issues and that we think I think it's really interesting. One of the reasons I really love the podcast. Yeah, and we're we're not even like doing it from like a, I mean we don't have an agenda in it. We're just more like probing like oh yeah, sort of like what was acceptable in Japan at the time versus when it was dubbed, etc. Like if you look at the nuances of the Japanese original of that scene versus the English dub that took place ten years later. Versus the Latin American dub that said one of the least politically correct things I've ever heard. <laughs> it's interesting seeing like what is acceptable in each of the territories. Yeah. I'm not too knowledgeable about this with other series, but from the sounds of it, like Yu Yu Hakusho is kind of maybe not become a global hit, but like is at least available somewhat globally. Yeah, definitely. Would you say that that's more of just a, a distribution thing or is there actually like going back to those facebook groups are there different fandoms for it in different countries or is it concentrated like mostly in japan or mostly north america or mostly latin america hmm. uh hmm. was there any latin wasn't there a latin american group for yeah there's Hawk a latin show? american group like a spanish language one and additionally the entirety of spanish language you Hawk show is available on youtube <laughs> and has like tons of views oh, cool and there's two there's two different spanish dubs too there's one for spain and then there's one for latin america oh. Uh, I've been watching the Latin America one for a number of reasons. One is which I'm more used to hearing Latin American Spanish. Uh, we're in Arizona, and so you hear a lot of, mm. you know, Mexican and Latin American Spanish here. I, I like when I hear Spanish Spanish accents, I'm always like, oh, whoa, 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 what? Because <laughs> um, yeah, they, they sound a bit different. But uh, so uh, I myself and you know three of the other hosts are are Filipino, and there is a massive fandom in the Philippines uh, for the show. And uh, it's kind of weird because it has one of the worst dubs of the show. So I don't know why the fandom's so big. <laughs> it's, you know, massively inaccurate and stuff like that. But people people love it there. So a lot of uh, people in English language Facebook groups for the show, there's an overrepresentation of Filipinos because the majority of us, uh, even in the Philippines, speak English. And so there's a lot of that too. Uh, but people sometimes have threads that are specifically about like, hey, remember our dub of the show? <laughs> and then we just talk about how weird it is. And then other people, you know, who did not watch it as such are like, wait, what the f***? <laughs> yes. Sorry, I'm making editing a nightmare. Yeah. Sorry. No worries. No worries. Wikipedia offers just a glimpse into the uh, the Filipino dub by mentioning that Yusuke is referred to as Eugene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah eugene genkai who is a woman in the original is named dennis, in, dennis. In... Oh, wow oh you know G- genkai dennis same same name it's yeah, great yeah hardly tell the difference yeah one of the things that we do uh, we look up the google trends information because it's one like barometer for like how, how popular is this or how not 
and it also gives us an idea of like oh where's this most popular and mm-hmm. a lot of the time we'll look up an anime like very recently we did one on yuri on ice yeah. mm-hmm. and it's like oh yeah japan japan is the most popular place for for yuri on ice i can see that yeah makes sense uh i looked up miyu hacker show and was very surprised when you know a country that comes up often but isn't usually number one wasn't the number one slot and that was the philippines wow this week when i looked up yuri hacker show it is more popular since 2004 in the philippines than it is in japan japan is number two so I think there's interesting cultural resonances uh, of the show that like are out like for cultures that are not Japanese specifically. So uh, I don't know if you guys know much about the Philippines, but like we're really superstitious. <laughs> like yeah, there's local folklore everywhere. Uh, people are really into ghost stories, like to a, a pretty high degree, and we're also really into martial arts and prize fighting. And uh, so, hey, guess what has a lot of both of those? <laughs> this is perfect. Yu Show. Yeah, so it's it's nice like that. And I, I have a feeling there's a similar resonance in Latin America mm-hmm. where, you know, there's a lot of, like, local folkloric cultures yeah. uh, and their own, like, little demons and the idea of, like, uh, exorcism or, like, you know, brujeria and stuff like that. Uh, and so I wouldn't be surprised if that's the reason. I can speak to Filipino culture somewhat well. For Latin America, I'm guessing. Yeah. Interesting. I go Joseph's because I don't know any of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's also big in uh Brazil, which another country that's really into, you know, combat sports yeah. and has like a lot of local folklore. Yeah. That was number three. Yeah, and also a large native Japanese population. Yep. Right. I forgot about that. Brazil loves anime. <laughs> yeah. Brazil loves anime <laughs> and the psychogenesis. Oh, <laughs> If you want to do any, like, King of Fighters tournaments, you got to go to Latin America to do that, because U.S. is, like, dry. There's, like, all of it, all of it here is, like, a Street Fighter and maybe in Tekken. That's, that's about it. DBZ Fighter Z, too, but it's a different story. We did an episode on this. They also love K-pop. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was unaware of that, but I can I can kind of see it. They, they love it. Who doesn't love K-pop? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of K-pop. Not uh, for the music's sake, but more like the production methods and the way the companies are run really scare me as like we dystopian ta- nightmares. Did we talk about that on the podcast? Uh, we I may have mentioned it. Because I, I don't know if we did it with the recording of that, but we did talk about that as well and how interesting it is. How but... K-pop is the harbinger of our like <laughs> dystopian, like anarcho-capitalist nightmare future. Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny. A week later, I was discussing K-pop and J-pop culture and problematic issues and a IHOP at like 12 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the best place to talk about it. We definitely don't talk about it as a, as a harbinger of the coming <laughs> pop culture apocalypse, but we do get into the nitty-gritty of it. It's, that was an interesting episode to do. Yeah. The assembly line style of K-pop is, I'll say, interesting. Mm-hmm. The listeners out there sitting on the fence about Yu Yu Hakusho, how would you pitch it to them? What would you say to them to get them to watch? If you like an anime with a bunch of teenagers beating up demons and shooting lasers out of their fingers and having deep impact discussions, watch Yu Yu Hakusho. Do you remember what it was like being a teenager? Do you remember how much it sucked being told what to do and then not understanding the world around you or yourself sometimes? Did you ever feel like getting hit by a car or like, you know, maybe something releasing you from uh, whatever situation you were in? What if I told you you could experience that vicariously? Someone else gets hit by the car and you can see them grow up and develop into a more well-rounded adult 
more in touch with who they are, who their friends are, what society is as a whole, and better understanding and changing the world around them and making, frankly, revolutionary changes in the social relations of different classes of people and entities. What if you were the coolest teenager, <laughs> you Hawk Show? Oh, man. Question I ask myself every day. <laughs> <laughs> what if you wanted to beat up a giant furry cat, you Hawk Show? That, that is also true. Dub lovers, feel not ashamed. Yeah. There's no shame in watching this dub, apparently. Nope. I will also repeat the thing I said earlier. If you really like Heart of Darkness and Lovecraft, <laughs> I wish that neither of them was as problematically racist. You, you Hawk Show. I want that so much. <laughs> so many reasons to keep watching the show now. All right, T. Third of you uh, with the spotlight. Spotlight. One of the things that makes it difficult to find a spotlight, to find something cool related to a fandom that has had le- a little less going on in the last 25 years. Not nothing, but like n- no big announcements that aren't like officially released games. And is it's hard to find fan projects. I did find one thing, which I still think is worth bringing up. There is... Uh, a GoFundMe right now. I don't know when it closes. I think it's just constantly going. You can find it at GoFundMe.com slash UUHackashow.com spelled like dot and com. Like, not written like a URL. You know what? It'll be in the show notes. You can find it. It's nice. So is it UUHackashow.com.com? Yes. <laughs> cool. It's help UUHackashow sub by UUHackashow.com. It's pretty self-explanatory. The UUHackashow subreddit wants to buy the domain name. And surprisingly, the domain name is not owned by anybody. Wait, yuhackashow.com? Yuhackashow.com. Hey, yuhackashow, the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it, Joe. How much are we looking at? It's probably more than we'd like to spend. It was a lot. Um, (laughs) If it's under 10,000, I think we should. I am not doing this. (laughs) We could, could, like, hold it for ransom and be like, hey, bro, do you guys want your podcast domain? Million dollars. You know what I, I don't want to do? Appear in court? <laughs> domain squatting isn't illegal. Wait, hold on. Let me just move. Yeah. Actually, I, never mind. Domain squatting is indeed illegal, so probably not. Okay. I'd love you to create a, a Stockholm Syndrome podcast where you're like, you have to listen. Otherwise, you know, you're never getting the domain name. So I want to see all of you. <laughs> we'll have all the voice actors on the show talking about it in, in Japanese. And we'll literally have them speak to us in Japanese and we'll respond like, yeah, we agree. <laughs> like no no translation just have him speak street japanese hey uh, i don't approve of anything being said right now. <laughs> oh my goodness uh the amount is 1200 is what they're trying to raise the they we can do it i'm not doing this. joe we can do it it's like it's it's a drop in the bucket for what we can achieve <laughs> okay we let's talk be... about this you know off 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 screen listen z um, keep all of this in <laughs> I don't. I don't want to argue in front of the kids. <laughs> what we're just trying to domain squat. It's not like a bad thing. How are they supposed to learn how to become well-adjusted adults if they don't learn about domain squatting? Exactly. Oh boy. Yeah, that's, a, a, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> but like that—that's pretty much all that it is. It's the subreddit trying to buy their domain name, which I think is is a really cool idea because it's nice to have one spot to kind of like unify the community. And I was honestly really surprised that it's not owned by Funimation or yeah. uh, like Shonen Jump or anything like that. It's just not owned by anybody who owns those properties. Weird. Speaking of the Yu Yu Hakusho, you guys want to tell us a little bit about it and where people can find you on the internet? 
Gotcha. Well, uh, we are a podcast dedicated to, obviously, the number one anime in the world, Yu Hakusho. Love it. Ichiban. We are a group of five people. We talk about Yu Hakusho, Japanese culture, ja- uh, the studios that produce it, everything that has to do with Yu Hakusho in some form or another. Yeah, so four episodes of the show are covered per episode yeah. of the cast. We did actually just did two last time just so we can like build up to it and talk about Pro a little bit, but Yeah, we got like end of season notes in on that episode, so we only wanted to do like two episodes of the show. Yeah, but on average about four episodes talk about the we just have a discussion about it. We talk about the synopsis, what we think about it, have funny moments, like the one with the Schwarzenegger looking guy being like nothing personal kid and like Oh yeah. There's so many instances of nothing personal kid happening (laughs) in that show. Um that's a meme for anyone who doesn't know. I'm going to make a note of that. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, don't worry. But uh, we're available on uh, Podient at, uh, what's our URL? Uh, I think it's like podient.yuhakashow with a W. So it's yuhakashow, but it just has a W at the end. Actually, our technical name is the yuhakashow. Like a show, like a TV show. Yeah. It doesn't really work on air that well. Um, but <laughs> it's cool, yeah. though, because we need to say Yu Show. So we have a we have a Facebook as well that's uh, facebook.com slash the Yu Show, but with... Wait, is the Yu Show or is it Yu Show? I don't even remember. You just school Yu Yu Show and it should come up. Yeah, it will. With a W, like the Yu Show. We also have a Twitter that's not really being used much right now. Uh, we also have an Instagram that is actually starting up. So yeah, I'm gonna get on that place. Twitter stuff. That's I think it's sort of my job to do that. Oh, so okay. Yeah, I'll cool. get on that. That's my fault. We're like behind. I think it says, "Hey, check out a new episode, episode two. <laughs> the two dual like real headquarters are basically our Facebook and uh, our actual podium site. Yeah, we're always updating content. I think it's every two weeks we do it. Uh, we're gonna have a bull. Do we want to spoil what we're doing for the next episode? Uh. Two episodes from now, we're uh, in honor of the Knife Edge death match. We're going to bring <laughs> knives and just stick them to my No, door. so in that same fight, before they have the brilliant idea of sticking knives into the ground, they get really drunk. Uh, and so... Oh, that's even better. Yeah, we're recording that. <laughs> so yeah, we're bringing It never occurred to me that they're highly inebriated when this happens. But, uh, I mean, I guess it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, who else? Why else would you do this? Um... But uh, we're going to start that episode totally sober and then just see where the night takes us. Cool. It's going to be fun. <laughs> I got the knives, though, so I think we're good on that. I can't wait to make memories that we'll never remember. <laughs> but the microphone will. Oh, oh, no. Oh, no. The floor will remember it, too. Yep. Those knife wounds. If anyone actually brings <laughs> knives, I'm throwing them out the window immediately. <laughs> I mean, technically, I have knives in the house, but uh, I'm not going to whip them out. Oh, God. Oh, uh, rather confusingly, I found your Facebook. It's the Yu Yu Hacker Show with two O's. Yeah. Whoa. Oh, you know, SEO. It's our specialty. <laughs> it, the, okay, the Yu Yu Hacker Show with one O was taken, so I had to add an extra O. I'm sorry. Some I don't know who had it. It'll be in the show notes, so people will be able to click on something. Yeah, That sounds great. It's not nearly as bad as my old podcast, which was Super Famicomplet. Just imagine how many times I had to explain <laughs> that. Wow. It's comparative literature plus yeah. the Japanese name of the Super Nintendo. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Obviously. We haven't had the best time with Phanthropological to be quite honest. <laughs> but we're in it now. Yeah, yeah. By the way. People are sitting on and not using both Yu Hakusho on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> like, spelled like the show is. Oh, oh, oh like okay. the show is. Okay. Okay, wait, so... Oh, as in, like, I think they're available or no one's using them? They're not available, like, but people just have them and aren't using them. 
That sounds oh, like both Twitter and squad, Instagram, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought you said they were available. I was like, uh, hold on. <laughs> I, I, was, I was hoping they were. I was going to pass that on to y'all, but uh, unfortunately not. Thank you guys for uh, helping us in our domain squatting needs. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get get a bunch of the... Uh, I was about to say do not resuscitate. I meant, I meant cease and desist. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's for when we get hit by a car. Yeah, it's going to be good. <laughs> do not resuscitate. I mean, we need to be bring back as uh, spirit detectives first, so... <laughs> We can go somewhere really dark with what was just said, but it's not. <laughs> Please don't hit me with a car. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about domain squatting, or indeed the various fandoms of the world, do check out more of Phanthropological. Up at Phanthropological.com, you can find all our episodes, or you can find us on Spotify. So uh, hit the follow button when you're over there at Spotify, or in the podcatcher of your choice. And uh, while you're there, please leave a rating or review for the show. This podcast is Phanthropological, but we are The Next Cast and can be found at The Next Cast everywhere on the internet. Just Google it and you'll find us on your social media platform of choice. If there's a social media platform that you like that we don't have, let us know, I guess, using the ones that you like less. <laughs> <laughs> if there's a topic you'd like to hear us cover on the show, please email us, nick at thenextcast.com. Mm, T, would you like to give information to everyone about things that are comfy and easy to wear? Sure. Uh, I have a shirt. It's comfy and easy to wear. I'm also wearing shorts, which are canonically comfy and easy to wear. <laughs> but you're probably referring to our, our shop. If you want to find something that's comfy and easy to wear, we have a couple shirts right now, hoping to increase the number of shirts that we have. If you go to shop.thenextcast.com, we have the Phanthropological shirt. We've got a bunch of shirts in a bunch of different colors and a bunch of different sizes. And they are all comfy and easy to wear because I said they are and because also I have some of them and they're great. They've been tested. Yeah. Listen, if you want to look the sexiest you've ever been, if you want people to stop and be like, look at that guy with that nice, smooth clothing, go buy their shirts. They are <laughs> the best. They will guarantee increase your attractiveness by 10%. No, no, screw that. 50% attractiveness increase. Great shirts, high quality merchandise. Go to their shop, buy some shirts. I like how we have just become experts in domain squatting and in shirt selling. <laughs> You know what? It's mostly a marketing podcast. <laughs> this is the best podcast we've ever done, hands down. That that is that is how this works. Z, cut that and put it at the front of every episode. <laughs> <laughs> Don't... I'll be your advertiser. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, you guys want some awesome shirts? Oh, that increase your. We're good. We're good. <laughs> we'll give you ten percent of the nothing that we're making. <laughs> Other for free. <laughs> oh, even better. <laughs> I, I need the I need the work I need the, the what's that word I need the experience oh, exposure dude. exposure well, yeah that too but mostly experience just make sure you don't die of exposure <laughs> boy oh boy no not I'm my, on, not, that's, not that's happening slowly speaking of dying of exposure <laughs> that's something that we hope never happens to you fair listeners to the podcast version of this show and one way that you can prevent that from happening is by tuning in over on twitch.tv slash thenextcast, where we go live with these recordings. Normally they happen on Mondays. Always a great idea to drop by twitter.com slash thenextcast, just to make sure, you know, to get the heads up when we're going to be going live. But why, you might be wondering, should I bother with appointment podcast listening when I can just <laughs> listen whenever the heck I want? Good question. Well... By tuning in to twitch.tv slash thenextcast to watch us record these episodes live, you get to see our guests' lovely faces, hear their, their great voices. You can also participate in the chat and, you know, 
chat us up, ask us some questions, get a little chat going amongst yourselves, uh, stage a, a podcast coup, if that's what you want to do. Or you could also participate in perhaps the most important part of the whole show, the famous last words. The Famous Last Words is where we make a statement or ask a question about the topic we're going to do next week before we've done any of the research. Hey, did you did you guys do some last time? Yep, we did. We Actually, that's a good point. We should make sure that we covered those. Mine from last episode were our fans waiting for a revival, or did they move on to other shonen titles? Oh, just to answer that really quick, like, we've talked a little bit about, like, what uh, a revival would entail, and without the actual cooperation of Togashi, it'd be hard to do something substantive. The reason being that, like, what I would want would be, like, a young Genkai series. Like, Genkai being the old master of the main character. <laughs> but that would actually trip into canon in a way that, like, would require uh, them to have Togashi's say-so, or else it would make no sense. Like, better call Saul, <laughs> except in the Yuhashi <laughs> universe. Yeah, because, like, again, the way the series ended... You would also need Togashi to go there because, like, the end of the series leaves it open to be a completely blank canvas, so mm. anything could happen, and I don't want a Boruto-type situation where it's just like, Boruto. guess what? Aliens. <laughs> no. Do you have thoughts on that? Oh, wait, I guess you haven't really finished the series, but yeah. What was the question again? Like, basically, where were people asking for a revival, or do you think they've kind of moved on? Uh, as in the fans? Yeah. yeah. I think Hunter Hunter is, in some ways, the revival. Yeah. But yeah. I, to be honest, I don't think fans want a revival. I mean, it's good the way it is. We don't need, like, a, a remake. You haven't even finished the series that. yet, dog. Yeah. That's how well, good I mean, it is. I'm just saying in general. Like, I mean, I'm thinking, like, just in general. I mean, uh, how? I mean, do you want a DBZ remake? Or, like, a revival? I mean, well, well what, you revival, actually do doesn't mean... need, like, a Dragon Ball Kai-style thing. Because, uh, are, you, like, are you saying, like, revival no is in a new show, or...? Uh, new right. show or I mean you could take it either way new yeah. show or like you know there's no reason for you yeah no no but I'm just saying in general yeah I think I think for the most part people are sort of understand like yeah the show's show closed out the way it is but I think people are happy with like the OVA and stuff I think people are just happy to get more content I mean every every fan is happy about that but we'll just have to see how the OVA goes and if, it, of... if it does big I'm telling you man young Genkai that's what I want <laughs> I want a young Genkai that'd be awesome Nick Z had asked, what's the most common pairing in fic? And of those characters, what's their canonical relationship? And what does that say about the fans? That, oh, yeah, that was the loaded one. I remember that now. And so are we excluding people who are canonically together? No. I, those, like, canonical couples are totally included. My theory is it's probably Hiei and Kurama, uh, <laughs> because they're both, like, very pretty men. Ding, ding, ding. Bingo, bingo. Yeah, the only other one being Hiei and Mukuro, but one, Mukuro hasn't been introduced, and two, that's canonical. I think Suzaku and his brood wife is a pretty good, pretty good parent, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, let's not talk about that. It's actually Suzaku, 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 and his bird wife. Boy, boy. There you go. Oh, that's... that's <laughs> is, that, is that harem? Reverse harem, technically? Oh, wow. Thursdays on NBC. <laughs> Yep, that's reverse harem. Wow. That's totally right. Um, on uh, Archive of Our Own, you know, the canonical couple is uh, Yurmeshe and, and Keiko. Yeah. And there were 155 stories about them on Archive of Our Own. And the uh, most popular pairing, though, by far, was definitely Hiei and Kurama with 326 stories. 
about them. Are Hie X uh, Yomi and Hie Kuronoe on there as well? I mean, I mean uh, yeah, Kurama Kuronoe and Kurama Yomi. No, those didn't really come up. Wow, that's surprising. What about, what about Kurabara and that ice princess? What's her name? Oh, that's canonical. Yeah, yeah that came Is up that a canonical? little bit. Well, not where you are. <laughs> but now okay. it's, well, cat's out in the bag. I saw it coming. It's, yeah. It was obvious. Yeah. It's a shonen. Come on. It's not like <laughs> deep writing here. <laughs> Did you check out fanfiction? Or I did check out fanfiction.net too, but like they didn't really have nearly as many stories. Yeah, if we, if we went by doujins, I would assume it would be Hiei Kurama. Yeah. Oh god. Still. Yeah. Fanfiction.net has over twenty thousand fan works for Yu Yu Hakusho. The problem is fanfiction.net doesn't have any tools to like really yeah. dig into it. So next week we have some guests who are from a podcast. Uh, I believe it is called Pods Burgers. It is a Bob's Burgers podcast. Oh. <laughs> and so uh, we are all able to ask questions or make statements, our famous last words about Bob's Burgers and Bob's Burgers fandom. All right. How did fans react, or do fans react when they're watching through the series, to Larry Murphy becoming a main cast member and, and Teddy being a more included character in the show? I have a feeling they will have opinions based on what I've listened to. Definitely. <laughs> I'm curious. I got one, if that's cool. Sure. Yeah. What if Tina was a Dragon Ball Z character? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love uh, this. How many of you tried Capoeira because of the show? Oh, Dude, actually, actually, I did Capoeira in high school. But was it because of the show? Uh, I don't think it was around doesn't 2005. So doesn't count. count. <laughs> okay. This is all. This is all I got. I'm gonna throw it out there. Yeah, sure. I'm gonna throw it out there. Maybe I'll be stepping in it. Hopefully, I'll be stepping over it next week. But, but, how do the fans feel about the majority of the voice cast being men? Even though the cast of characters is uh, fairly balanced between uh, genders, it's the opposite of The Simpsons. Yeah. If we're talking about Bob's Burgers, I want to know if there are any fans that like Jimmy Pesto and why. <laughs> Well, thanks, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for coming on the show. We appreciate it. You certainly know a lot more about you hack show than we do. So you gave us like like a lot of great detail. Patrick, thank you for enduring the spoilers that, that may have come up, but you seem to be unfazed. It's cool. Uh, I'm going to watch it anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I don't really mind spoilers, but like, yeah, I'm also the one who's in the position to spoil. So sorry. <laughs> It's not like I'm like, yeah, Patrick's not on it because he didn't want to watch it because it got spoiled for him. So we're just, he's just not going to be on this episode. Or like, every, every response, like, yeah, I didn't watch it because I had it spoiled. So. Oh my God. Well, we good. We good. He's going to be on the bench for the rest of the season. <laughs> oh God. No. They're in my house, so I'll, I'll be doing something. You have no choice. <laughs> yeah. I don't Thanks for having us, guys. <laughs> yes. Thank you very much. I had a good time. Good time recording. Good to have you. It was a lot of fun. With that, I will say. Until next time, we'll see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. See ya. See ya.
Today we're supposed to be talking about Yu Yu Hakusho fans, but oddly enough, we're dead? <laughs> oh, that was it. Okay. That was it. <laughs> Reverdy is wit. I was expecting like one more sentence, but that's okay. <laughs> if you perfect the first one, you don't need a second one. That's fair. <clears throat> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Phanthropological. My name is Nick G, and today we're going to be... Fanfiction.net has over 20,000 fan works for Yu Yu Hakusho. The problem is Fanfiction.net doesn't have any tools to, like, really yeah. s- dig into it. We need to make a scraper, man. We need <laughs> to make a scraper. That's that's our next Kickstarter project. It is not. Fanfiction <laughs> scraper. Let's let's figure out what we can get for fanfiction. See how many Deku X Baku Go fanfictions <laughs> thousands we can get archived. Put it all up on yuyuhakusho.com. Yep, Wario X Tony Hawk. That's my favorite. <laughs> there we go. Sonic X Garfield. Oh, uh, God. We <laughs> a lot of good fan One's too stories, fast, we'll the other's too slow. <laughs> what an odd couple. Nice. <laughs> Lasagna versus Chili Dogs, come on. <laughs> what about Jerry Seinfeld and Garfield? Oh boy, this is spinning out of control. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Was there a final like question? Was there a final question? miles an hour into the barrier. <laughs> always dangerous when fanfiction gets brought up.